Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Do we make prayer a priority? Do we realize what God does for us when we pray? Do we realize what God does for us in helping us to pray? Today on Sound Insight, I'm, oh, and do you realize what God does through you when you do pray? <laughs> These are all very important questions. I don't think we think about them that often. So today on Sunday Insight, I'm going to by actually sharing with you a couple of things that happened last night while I was praying with my family. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. Well, if we're going to talk about prayer, we should probably start with prayer. Oh God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Lord our God, we love you. We thank you that you are our Father. I ask, Lord, that you would bless us. Give us the grace we need. Give us all the blessings, Lord, that would help us to honor you. And uh, be in a, in, a, in a life-giving, rich, living relationship with you, Lord. Please, Lord, increase our grace, the grace of prayer. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so yesterday, quite an interesting day. And it ended with uh, last night. So yesterday, I have three brief interactions that I had, all involving my work as a real estate agent. Now, you have to know that this isn't just like church stuff. This is like you living in the world. This is you going to work. This is you being out and about in the settings where you live day to day. And the question becomes, how does God speak through us? How does God call upon us to live our faith and express our faith in the daily settings where we are. Okay, so what happened? What am I talking about? Okay, so yesterday, first thing. uh, First thing is, what do I make my first thing? First thing is, do I make the commitment to pray my first thing? And that's not easy because if you're like me, when you wake up, you, you have many things that could crowd in to your life, into your mind, and crowd out a good, solid prayer time. And so that means it's a commitment, right? It takes a habit. We have to build a habit of prayer. And that means being consistent about it. And it's so interesting because the ability that I'll have to pray well in the morning early and get a good prayer time. You know what it's based on? How I was living the day before. 
<laughs> how I was eating the day before, how late I stayed up the day before, what I was, how, how I lived that day the day before, because it's going to impact my sleep. How much sleep I get, how deeply I sleep, how peacefully I sleep. Come on, you know this. This isn't, this is the not rocket science part of life. But the, the question becomes, how do we turn what is not rocket science into, I don't know, would you call it a best practice, a wise practice, a godly practice of saying, you know what, even if I had to stay up late or chose to stay up late, even if I ate badly, even if I didn't pray well on a particular day, and so had a lot of things swirling around in my mind and made my sleep less easy to happen and more fitful, there's nothing that stops me from saying, the next day will be different. And how do you do that? You set your alarm clock. <laughs> you set your alarm clock. So this is at least what I do, right? So if I wasn't praying well one day, I will... And not just like, like let's say I didn't have a good, very good prayer time and, and I'm floating into my evening and I'm not really like using my time very efficiently. Maybe I'm, I'm a little sad or a little worried or anxious or, or kind of like weighed down by the things that are happening that, that are a trial or a, a difficulty. And, and so it's easy to turn to comforting things like, for me, popcorn Though I'm having less popcorn these days, I'm having more chocolate. That's called Halloween. <laughs> the, not the Halloween, the, the leftovers from Halloween that my kids still seem to have in abundance. And so I have to go check on my kids' rooms when they're not there just to make sure that everything's okay in those rooms and happen to stumble across their bags of candy. Terrible. This is terrible. Uh, very humbling. So so let's let's... Let's just say concretely, I went to bed too late, not in the best spirit, and uh, not having eaten in a healthy manner that previous night. Well, I still set my alarm. I set my alarm. And, and so waking up in the morning, it's harder to get up. You know what really helps with that? A cold shower. I'm serious. So maybe maybe it's a penance. Maybe you just do it as a penance for... Um, those other things that happened the night before. But I got to tell you, a cold shower wakes you up. A cold, let me make it personal. A cold shower wakes me up. And even cold showers can become a habit. They can become something that you do. When you say it's a habit, it's you just flow into it. You don't have to like hand ring over the choice. It's just something you do. But it does a great job of like getting the cobwebs out of the eyes, and then a nice strong cup of coffee. There we go. A nice strong cup of black coffee will certainly help because it's harder, well, for me, it's harder to, to wake up and have a good prayer time. Okay, so starting the day with prayer then makes us more open and available, for more docile to be prompted by the Holy Spirit as we go about our day, right? Don't, isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be useful to the Lord? Don't we want to have, again, those things that I talked about yesterday, reflections on my birthday, we want his presence to radiate from our lives, okay? Isn't that so? So I, I had a, a, a 
uh, some folks that I'm helping uh, find a home. They had a couple homes they wanted to look at. And so off we went. And we had one of those rare instances where the woman who was in the home, we hadn't actually planned on seeing that home, but it was right around the corner from the home that we really wanted to see. And so it was like, hey, why don't we just throw that one into the mix as well as by way of comparison? Not really because we were thinking that it was going to be a like a, a realistic alternative to the home that they were most interested in, but you never know. Well, you never know ended up being one of these rare instances when I showed up at the house and the owner of the home opened the door and said, come on in. I'm just finishing packing. I'll just get out of your way. It was an older woman and she uh, led us into the house and she, you know, just got out of the way. And so we're kind of walking through the house and, and we noticed that obviously she's in the very final stages of getting her things packed and, and a lot of things had already been taken out. And so she's, you know, really at the very end of, of her time in the home. Well, then she starts telling us her story. She starts talking to us about like her life. And, and it was really quite a something like, I'm leaving this house today. I've lived in this area for 50 years. Like my whole adult life, I've lived in this area. You know, and she talked about her husband dying in this uh, home and her living by herself. And now her brother is coming to pick her up. Not her brother, her son is coming to pick her up, pack up the rest of the belongings and drive her away from the place that she's known and lived at for 50 years. And this son who's going to come to pick her up, come to find out, she hadn't seen him in eight years. So this is the person that we stumbled into. Oh, wait a minute. Did you hear just that verb that I use, stumbled into? No, we didn't stumble into an encounter with this woman. God sent us. God sent us. And so here she is in this situation. And the, the folks that I, I'm walking with through the house, the, there's a, a woman there and a woman, a husband and a wife. And she says, oh my goodness, this is, this is really an overwhelming moment for you. We were privileged to be in the presence of this woman during the very final hours that she was going to be in the house that she had lived in for 15 years in the area, in the town she had lived in for 50 years, about to encounter in a few hours her son whom she hasn't seen in eight years in order to take her away to a whole next stage in her life. And so it was very sweet and poignant that the woman that I was with, she said, can I give you a hug? And she said, yes. And so she gave her a big hug. And that was a very beautiful moment. And so as we were uh, just sort of finishing up, we, it, we realized that, yeah, in fact, we really weren't seriously interested in the home. So I said, hey, we're going to be leaving now. So she got up and she came in to, to say goodbye. And I said to her, I said to her, um, I said, do you believe in God? And because she had said the word God in like a general context a little bit earlier, I said, you mentioned God. Do you believe in God? She said, yes. And I said, do you, 
do you pray? I said, are you comfortable with prayer? She said, yes. I said, would it be okay if we prayed with you right now? She said, yes. And so here I am, real estate agent. (laughs) Uh, I said to her, you know, we are three angels sent from God. We are messengers. An angel means messenger. We're just messengers sent from God to let you know God is with you. As you're finishing up your time in this place and you're embarking on this next step in your journey, God is with you. And so can we pray? Yes. And so I prayed. I It was a simple prayer. Lord, bless, and I said her name. I just thank you, Lord, for the blessings that have come to her life in the 50 years that she's been in this area, in the 15 years she's been in this house. And Lord, we pray for this meeting, this reunion with her son, that it go peacefully and well, guide and watch over and take care of her and the details of the finishing of the packing. Lord, may this transition be a a glorious one. Lord, you already know where the buyer is for this house. Bring that buyer quickly to this home, that it would be a beautiful benefit financially to this woman, and that everything would go smoothly and well and happen more quickly than she can imagine. Amen. And I said, in Jesus' name. She said, amen, thank you. And she was uh, very grateful. And we left. And you know, at the end of the, um, the other home that we saw, and we saw another home, and uh, we, we drove around the area a little bit, the woman, the couple that I was with, the woman said, you know, I think that we were brought here today not to look at these homes, but for that woman. We were brought here for her. And I thought, amen. Amen. That, that is so, like, isn't that how you want to live your life? Right? You think that you know, oh, the, the, the reason why I'm doing X, Y, or Z today, having this conversation or that conversation, going to this place or to that place, getting involved with this group or getting involved with that ministry or doing something with this initiative, we think we know the reasons why. We think we know the purposes why. And we think very human terms, right? Very like natural terms that are just connected to the world. Please, brothers and sisters, don't be surprised that God, he is deploying you for a great work. There's a reason why he has you doing what he has for you to do. And he will use you. He, he will, he will be, ha, have you be that angel, that messenger, that one that can, again, bring his presence and how you look in their eyes and how you, how you extend yourself to them, how you're of service to them, right? You can be such a blessing to people. And then even if you can feel comfortable and, and, and can be equipped and, and do it, find the, the appropriate ways to do it, include prayer into that moment. And you just don't know what God will do. Okay, so that was story one. Uh, story two 
was I went from there. I had another appointment. And so I went to this other appointment uh, where I was meeting a stager, staging a home that I'm going to be listing. That means that I'm helping sellers to sell their home. And again, it's one of these kind of poignant situations where uh, there's a need to move because of uh, uh, an illness in the family. And so one of the things they need to do is sell the home. And so I've been walking with them in a very personal way um, regarding this whole process. And so um, as I was there walking through the home with the stager, there were some folks there cleaning the house as well that I had uh, engaged to come and clean the house because I really wanted it to look great so that folks who would come and you know, look at it would not be distracted by um, any areas where the home was, you know, suffering, um, you know, from um, not being clean. So, um, and so the the folks that I had brought in were folks that I knew um, from the Oaks. And so we got to talking about uh, being at the Oaks, and I was I was talking about Annalise is at the Chesterton Academy this year as a freshman in high school, and lo and behold. These two women that I was talking to said, oh, we went to that school growing up. I'm like, what? It's a Catholic school. They said, yeah, we, we grew up Catholic. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, we grew up in a very Catholic home, and we uh, went to grade school there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I had no idea. And... One of the great sadnesses that if if you're involved in, in Catholic, you know, in, in the Catholic world, and you're living your faith, and you it comes out into the open that you're living your Catholic faith, you're going to bump into people that are fervent Christians who were what they were brought up Catholic, and they left the church, or they wandered away from the church, or they ended up rejecting something about their Catholic faith, and somehow discovered a rich faith in Christ. And right there, in the middle of this house, you know, with other people around, we're talking about the differences between a Catholic spirit and approach to life and a Reformed Protestant spirit and approach to life. And what was so interesting was that these women were so much more at home with sort of, uh, let's say, my Catholic way of living and a Catholic approach to life than they were with the very Reformed approach, which tended to be more legalistic and, uh, let's call it, fundamentalist. And and they say that's one of their struggles is that they try to impact their Reformed Protestant world with, let's call it a Catholic spirit that is just, frankly, a little bit more messy, right? It's a little bit more incarnational, sacramental. There's a way in which the world and, and, and the church, are really, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, are, are woven together. And, you know, there's a way in which we are called to uh, elevate and purify uh, what God has given us in our own human nature. And so I was just like, hey, time to come home. Time to come home to the Catholic faith. She said, well, we should get together. Let's get, let's get our, let's get, you know, couples, you know, Carrie and, and she and her husband, let's get together. And I'm like, hey, salt, light, and leaven, brothers and sisters, we are called to be open to share our faith. 
with joy and enthusiasm. And we didn't argue about doctrines. We just were talking about our relationship with Christ. And so I, I you know, so I really want to encourage you. Now, I'm up against a break. I'm actually running late uh, before I hit my break here. Um, that if we're not praying, we're not obeying. Hey, I just made that up. <laughs> if we're not praying, are we really in that position, that disposition to be willing to be useful to the Lord in our encounters with other people, right? It, it has to come back to that the fruit of that union with the Lord. Okay, I'm up against a break. When we come back, more sound insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. So you just, if you are listening to this program um, on the radio, you just heard a sponsorship from St. Monica, a classical Catholic grade school. Love it. I'm telling you, it is transformative to have your kids be formed in a classical methodology, a methodology that involves grammar, logic, rhetoric. Uh, Someone, I got nine kids, I brought them through typical Catholic, uh, typical diocesan Catholic schools that does not follow a classical methodology, Uh, part of homeschool, co-ops, and I am here to witness, not just for myself, but for so many other families, Classical schools, classical Catholic schools, classical Catholic grade schools, high schools, private schools in the Catholic tradition, places like Court of Christ in Coeur d'Alene, like Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame here in Spokane, like uh, the Oaks Classical Christian School, right? Uh, and then you have on the west side, you have Aquinas Classical uh, Academy in Bremerton, and there's a uh, a new uh, Chesterton Academy that's opened over there. Uh, so many, and then now St. Monica's, right? I, I know they. Um, there's some other schools that have elements of this. It makes all the difference because the schools focus on discipleship. Okay, did, did you hear that? They focus on forming disciples. Uh, they, they don't just presume discipleship. They don't just presume that you're living your Catholic faith, but they're going to foster Catholic faith intentionally in the classrooms. And I, I mean, literally, okay, so I'm talking to my kids tonight, and they were talking about, like, Annalise was just saying, I'm going to Mass every day, and uh, I, she says, I'm enjoying my schooling, I'm, I'm enjoying the kids I'm with, and uh, Luciana's like, I want to go there when, I, when I'm, uh, time for high school. Um, it's, it's just so necessary, so refreshing, it is an antidote. It's a remedy. 
It is, it's a remedy from the heinous, tragic, despicable, false Catholic Christian approaches to transgender ideology that you'll find at many diocesan Catholic schools. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's destructive. And, and so I'm telling you, classical, classical Catholic schools are an antidote. It will preserve your kid's faith. It will nurture your kid's faith. Not guaranteed. Not perfect. Still figuring stuff out. Not even a question. But we as parents, we have got to be, we've got to be vigorous and we have to be vigilant. We have to be willing to be bold and courageous in how we lead our kids today because the TikTokization of social media platforms like Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat are spewing forth a vile filth that is so clever, pervasive, and seductive and intimidating to your kids if they're on those platforms. I, I, I mean, literally, I, I was talking with my son, John Luke. He's a freshman at Franciscan, but he's younger. He's gone in early. And um, we were talking about time spent on the internet. And he was saying how he's working on that. He's working on uh, getting down the number of hours. He's tracking it. And, and what was so interesting was that he, when we talked about it, I said, is there, is there, is there a struggle you're having with um, a particular sin, right? Just thinking about there's so much immodesty, impurity, and pornography that's out there. And he says, no, Dad, I'm not doing bad things. It's just wasting time wasting time and I don't want to waste time and and I'm like I said so I asked him what are the supports you have around you what are the encouragements what are the accountability and will you come to me if you're struggling with this because I want to uh, I, I I want to do what I need to do to be a good and loving father to you and uh, we had a good conversation about it and he's at Franciscan University and thanks be to God that he has just good, solid young men of God around him, as well as his his brother John Mark and his siblings. But that's what we need. We need that community. We need that community that says we're like minded in taking on this battle and fighting for our kids' holiness, for their health, fullness. Right, and that's something that we have to do together. It's a battle we have to do together. So. Classical schools become a wonderful context for fighting those battles. Okay, so so I got a little little distracted there, but it's it's kind of the it's it's a definitely a related point because today in the program I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about the way in which if we start our days off in prayer, it can launch us into a a usefulness to the Lord. And I'm just sharing stories from yesterday, and so I, I already shared two stories and. So I left this, the house where the stager and the cleaner were and went down the street to a fellow that I had told you about. I was uh, serving another client, um, looking at a couple of homes, and she said, hey, this guy next door, 
he may be interested in selling. So I went and I knocked on his door. He answered the door. We were talking a little bit about his house and he opened up about his own personal life and the health challenges, the, the uh, serious medical interventions that had happened in his life. And so I prayed with him right there on the, on the porch. This was a, you know, a few weeks ago. And I said I'd follow back up with him. And so I was in the area, so I went and knocked on his door. I'd knocked previously, I'd missed him. I went and I knocked again, and, and, uh, and he came right out and asked if he remembered me, and I asked how his surgery went, let him know I was praying for him, and we also talked about his house. And what was so interesting was he, he knew that it was my like professional um, work, it was my was my work as a, as a real estate agent that got me to his front door. But what I cared about in my conversation with him was him. Like, how's your health? Are you taking the steps you need to take care of yourself? Like, look, I, the, the house thing is second. You know, how are you doing? Like, are you do, do you have what you need right now to, to be well? And um, what was so interesting was I was ready to leave at that point. And he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And so, the, and I said, well, I'm, he said, can you come between, you know, this time and this time in the morning? He said, I, I want to show you my house. And what was so interesting was that, you know, what I had shared with him was not a ploy. It was authentic. It was genuine. I really did care about him much more than I cared about the house and potentially helping him. And, and if I was going to like sell his, help him sell his house, it was really rooted in an authentic desire to be of service to him. And you know what? It washed over him. He felt that. It sunk into him that I, I really could just walk away from you know, serving him in, in the real estate side is he, is he okay as a person, as a human being? And in, he brought it up. I'm only here because of God. I'm only here because God's blessed me and he's got a plan for my life and I want to figure that out. I'm like, amen, let's go. All right. So, next story. This is the last story related to real estate work, right? So, I then drove to another area uh, where Carrie and I have a rental property and I had been introduced to a woman there who owns a house across the street from where the rental is. And um, when I had been introduced to her about a week ago, um, she had on a shirt that said Young Life. I don't know if you know what Young Life is. Young Life is a Christian ministry that focuses on giving high school kids in particular a place to have fellowship and, and be mentored and, and have a sense of outreach. And, and again, evangelization, discipleship. It's kind of relational evangelization where the kids will, you know, make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ kind of thing. And uh, her son is very involved in it, and they've been having a really big impact in uh, in the Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene area. And so I was like, wow, this is really, when I first met her, she was telling me this stuff. And, and I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd like to stay in contact. Absolutely. So I went and knocked on her door, answered the door. She remembered me and said, hey, let's talk. So we were, we were talking there, and uh, 
I had said to her, I said, the reason why I'm, I'm reaching out to you now is that um, we had that first conversation, a little bit about young life, but also I had heard that you might be interested in potentially moving. And we ended up having a great conversation. And it was all around what's God doing? What's God doing in her life? What's God doing in this area? What's God doing among young people? And, um, and so she learned all about Carrie and me and our move to this area. And, and you know what was so interesting was that she said, you know, I could tell you a Christian. I could tell you a Christian. And, okay, are you ready? Come and find out. Guess what? Guess what she grew up? Guess what her background was in? The Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Not only was she Catholic, but open to the Spirit, open to evangelizing, wanting to live for the Lord, but was brought away, swayed away, led away, and is a very devout now Christian woman. And I just thought to myself, how does this keep happening, brothers and sisters? Like, how many times do we have to hear this story about these dear sweet brothers and sisters in Christ who are living fervent lives of faith, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, witnessing to the Lord by the lives they live, but they left the Catholic Church. Like, we got to up our game. We have to up our game in our ease, fluidity, willingness, boldness in proclaiming Christ. And she had a great conversation and it was it ended up also connecting to the idea of well how do I discern what to do with this house so the conversation continued and we talked all about that about sort of her life circumstance and how's that connected to the decision that she'd make around keeping the house versus selling the house versus buying a house and I I love what do I love? I love the reality that I was able to be who I am fully in the midst of the work that I was doing. And you don't need a theology degree for that, brothers and sisters. You don't have to have a ministry to do that kind of work, brothers and sisters. What you need and what I need is a living relationship with the Lord that is nurtured through prayer. That union with the Lord that we nurture through prayer that makes us open and willing to follow the prompting of the Lord and bring out into the open what we are more accustomed to keeping hidden, namely, the profession of faith we have as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus. But when we have that sense of hesitancy and reluctance where we hold back we end up missing out on, let's call it like the, the exciting journey that can have these unexpected encounters that really are cool, <laughs> where you can see God work. And you can get very encouraged. I get very encouraged. I get to see God work. But man, I got to be willing to be out there. And I'm not going to be willing to be out there if I'm not praying. 
When we come back, we're going to talk more about how the Lord teaches us to pray in prayer. The Lord teaches us to pray in in the midst of while we actually pray. I'm going to share with you how that actually happened last night in my family prayer. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's exciting to be with you. I do love having a chance to talk with you, to sort of be open and honest about, well, sharing my faith in ways that work, and sometimes it doesn't work, in ways that it hopefully can like stir in you a willingness to say, wow, I can do this. That's my hope. I hope that these examples that I gave to you from a day in my life are not something that you say, I could never do that. It's just, it's not true. It's not true. God, uh, you, you won't do it in the same circumstances. You won't do it in the same way, but you have a chance to do it. You do. You have a chance to be available to the Lord. But, okay, you won't be available to the Lord out in the world unless you're available to the Lord in your prayer. What does that mean? Be available to the Lord in my prayer. Right, be available to the Lord out in the world means what? That means when you're going, like when you when you're driving along, when you when you're on a phone call, when you're doing whatever you're doing, you have a an awareness, even if it's in the background, that God is the living God, that Jesus Christ is with you right there, that the Holy Spirit is alive in you, and just might prompt you, nudge you. You might have a sense that you're supposed to step into this little gap and speak a word or with restrain yourself from responding or saying something. You might be prompted to go do something, right? All of that, all of that is connected to this reality of being available to the Lord. But where we get trained for that, we're, we're, we're going to actually grow in that, is in our own personal prayer time. And in our family prayer time, because I was mentioning that it was in my family prayer time that I saw something in a new way last night. I did. I saw something in a new way last night, and it was it was really beautiful. It was that, you know, I, I, I mean, I had heard the idea before, but it became fresh and new. And it, it's, the Psalms are the prayer book of the people of God, right? I had a theology professor, biblical theology professor from the Gregorian University, a Franciscan priest, uh, Dermot Cox. He was actually brilliant. He taught me, he taught a course on the central message of the gospel. What was the central message of the gospel? And the central message of the gospel is repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what we did for the entire semester? We broke open the meaning of that, of that central message. Repent, believe, Good news, kingdom of God is here now. The whole semester of graduate level theology was a biblical exploration of that sentence. Well, he also wrote a book on the Psalms as a, the prayer book in the, in the life of the people of God. He was, he was a holy priest. You could tell, right? It was one of those things, again, where you can sense that there's that sense of radiance. Okay, and one of the things he said was, like, pay attention to the Psalms. The Psalms are the inspired word of God, right? That means these are words that the Holy Spirit is the principal author of. But what are the Psalms? 
The Psalms are prayers to God. So, okay, just add two and two here. The Psalms are God-inspired words to say when you are inspired to speak to God. God spoke to David, the author of the Psalms, and in speaking to David, stirred in him this inspiration to write these words, which would be words that other people would be used to speak to God. Okay, you get it? God's teaching us how to pray to him. God is teaching us the words to put into our mouths to properly address him. I, I Maybe when you're hearing that, you're like, I, okay, I get it, but I don't get the big deal. For me, it was a really big deal when I was praying with my kids and Carrie last night, the night prayer, the, what's called Compline or night prayer in the Liturgy of the Hours. And if you look at this beautiful like Liturgy of the Hours, this beautiful official prayer of the church. Again, it's the church around the world gathered to say these prayers. One of the things that you'll hopefully come to see is just how striking these words are. And so what I was, what I, what I was marveling at was that I was, seeing, I was hearing these words in my kids' mouths and in my own mouth as given to us by God, to say to God. And so the first antiphon, that, that's the, the first f- prayer, the phrase in prayer that precedes the psalm, which is Psalm 143, which is a prayer in distress. The antiphon says, Do not hide your face from me. In you I put my trust. Do not hide your face from me. In you I put my trust. Okay, you could just take that simple sentence. Do not hide your face from me. In you I put my trust. And you could take it and like talk about it for, for an hour. Do not hide your face from me. How many times do we feel like we're going through something and we're wondering, God, I don't see you. God, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are here, but I'm struggling. God, I, I don't see how we're going to get through. I don't know when it's going to get over, but I'm stirred up. I'm feeling anxious. I'm worried. I'm scared. I'm burdened. I, I, I can't let it go. I try to move on from it, but it comes back to me. I don't like this, Lord. Why are you, oh, that's the phrase, hiding your face? Because somehow if I sensed the, the face of God, Right? What's the face, right? That personal presence that someone is gazing upon me. He, he knows me. He sees me. He knows me. He hears my cry and he's, and he's come to do something about it, right? It's, it's the burning bush and, and God sending Moses to tell the people, I've heard your cry of complaint. I've seen your sufferings and I've come to do something. I've come to rescue you. Don't hide your face from me. The Lord's not afraid of us saying that. The Lord is not afraid he is not like saying, oh, I can't believe they're doing this again. No, he gives us the words. He's giving you permission. He's actually promoting to you. 
a particular state of being. There's a particular call it like inner state, an inner like status, an inner condition, a, a an inner personal situation. That what he's doing is he's saying that situation that that's in you in some part of your life, maybe in the past, maybe in this part of your present, but you're you're obscuring it, you're ignoring it, you're avoiding it, you're burying it. But it's in there. There's a part of you, there's a, there's a place in your life where you're saying, God, you're hiding your face from me. God, I, I don't see how you're active here because if you really did see what I was going through, you would do something about it. But this antiphon, like he's so profound. Do not hide your face from me in you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. It's entrustment. I, I give myself over to you. I, I give over what, what I'm facing to you. I give over this situation, this condition, these feelings, these emotions, these realities. I just give it over to you. I trust you, God. Guess who has a hard time saying that? Well, someone who is feeling deeply a situation or condition where I don't sense or see God or feel his presence or experience his power or see a way through, a way out, a way around, a way over, a way beyond what it is that's clinging to me right now. And so the Lord, in this incredible antiphon, is doing two things. He's saying, it's okay. You don't have to obscure either to yourself or to me what I already know. There are places in your heart, in your life, in your memory, where you're saying, God, where are you? I don't see you. And I'm going to give you the the grace to acknowledge that. I'm going to bless you with the freedom to acknowledge that in a simple but powerful phrase. Don't hide your face from me. Don't hide your face from me. And I'm going to give you the antidote, the way out, the way forward. In you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. In you, I put my trust. These are God-given words. God's giving you these words. He's giving you permission and promotion of these realities to help you get a way forward. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. That's just the first antiphon. Just wait. There's more. But I'm up against a break. So I'll be back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. If you're enjoying this program, please do me a favor. Go to mycatholicfaith.org. Mycatholicfaith.org. Why? You go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can get free resources. I just want to serve you. I want you to be blessed by being able to listen to this program again. You can sign up for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast is what it's called, the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can just search for it in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, you can listen to it there or just listen to it on mycatholicfaith.org. Also, if you just give me your email address, you're going to be able to get access to free resources that will email to you. Free resources mean talks and series I've given on the Mass, on Confession, on the Holy Spirit, on Confirmation, on prayer, family, all those different things, as well as digital version of my books, my books on Mass, Confession, Marriage, uh, free. 
Okay, no charge, free, my gift to you. Just want to be a blessing to you to help you live your life, to help you grow in your life of faith as a Catholic Christian. Disciple of Jesus. And do me a favor when you uh, subscribe to the podcast, just give it a rating. Give it like a nice five-star rating. Give it a good review. Um, Let folks know um, how you're blessed by the program. And guess what will happen? Apple will like that. Spotify will like that. And they will put Sound Insight in front of other Catholics. That will be a great blessing, I hope, to them. And it'll be a blessing to me as I seek very simple, humble ways to extend the reach of this show. So I've been talking about Compline, night prayer, last night, how God gives us the words to speak to him. God inspired the scriptures, and some of these scriptures are words to say to God, which is so striking when you think about it. And so night prayer, this part of the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, is that you pray at night. And so last night on family prayer, we used night Compline, and uh, Tuesday, Psalm 143 is a prayer in distress. Listen to this. Listen to this, because these are words given to you. These are words given to you. So again, you have permission, promotion of these of these realities in your own life. And there'll also be words of solidarity. I'll, I'll come around to that in a minute. Okay, here it is, though. Lord, listen to my prayer. Turn your ear to my appeal you are faithful, you are just, give answer. Do not call your servant to judgment, for no one is just in your sight. So here you begin this prayer in distress. The whole first couple of verses are this sort of formal introductory appeal to God. Please, Lord, please, you have to hear me. Please, I am struggling. You, Please, don't, don't let me be called to judgment. I'm, I'm not looking for judgment, Lord. No one's just in your sight. I just I want you to answer me. I need you to hear my cry, my appeal. Isn't that powerful? Again, it, it just gives you permission to lean in, sink in, let those words soak in and make them real for you. Now listen to this. This is the second strophe or paragraph of the prayer. The enemy pursues my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead, long forgotten. Therefore, my spirit fails. My heart is numb within me. Wow. Okay, you, you hear that scripture. Again, words from God. God is, is like shining a light on the inner recesses of people's souls and turning it into an inspired word through which we can turn to God. And again, because it's God's word, it, will, it has power. It has power. The enemy pursues my soul. He's crushed my life to the ground. He's made me dwell in darkness like the dead long forgotten. Uh, can you relate to that? Do you feel pursued by an enemy? Do you feel like things are just not going well? God, please help me. Uh, And then the last phrase, therefore my spirit fails. My heart is numb within me. 
Have you ever felt that? Numb? I've felt numb. But when you think of numb, you don't think of your heart being numb. Numb means what? You're not feeling anything. And I know that when times are hard, when they're really hard, it can become difficult to, let's call it, give ourselves permission to feel. Because the, I think the predominant feeling is being overwhelmed by what's unfolding. And the second feeling that runs alongside it is feeling desperate, powerless, not knowing what to do. Right? The, these are not easy circumstances to be in. It's not an easy state to live with. But when God is, is saying, look, I got you. I got this. I know exactly where you're at. I'm going to give you language that you can use in your prayer to me that will be a powerful conduit for me to bless you. Right? That's why I'm saying God is saying to us through giving us these inspired words about being pursued by the enemy, being crushed to the ground, feeling like you're dead and, and long forgotten and, and having your spirit fail, just like you're empty of any strength and numb in your heart. Well, the beautiful thing is God's word doesn't leave us there, does not leave us there. I remember, it continues, I remember the days that are past. I ponder all your works. I muse on what your hand has wrought. And to you, I stretch out my hands, my, like a parched land, my soul thirsts for you. So now I'm going to go from my current circumstances to my memory. I'm going to lean back into my memory. And again, it's God's word that's doing this. God's word is pointing me back into my memory to say, look, the Lord I'm going to stir in you those places in the recesses of your mind, in your memory, where I have shown you I'm a faithful God. And I'm going to put those words in your mouth too. And then it continues. Lord, make haste and answer, for my spirit fails within me. Don't hide your face like a... Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, like, in the morning, let me know your love. I put my trust in you. Make me know the way I should walk. To you, I lift up my soul. Rescue me, Lord, from my enemies. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will. For you, O Lord, are my God. Let your good spirit guide me in ways that are level and smooth. For your namesake, Lord, save my life. In your justice, save my soul from distress. And then that's where the psalm ends. Isn't that powerful? I went fast through all of that. But it... What, what is the Lord doing? He, he, he says, I'm going to walk you down into the depths of the darkness of what you're facing, and then I'm going to remind you of how faithful I am, and then I'm going to give you the prayer to pray, the authentic, genuine, heartfelt, heart-wrenching prayer to pray that is a cry to have me come with power. And I'm going to use those very words I've given you to pray that call upon me to actually come to you. And why? For your namesake, Lord, save my life. For your namesake, Lord, save my life. Not, Lord, because I've deserved it, save my life. Lord, because I'm faithful, save, your, save my life. Lord, because I've earned it, save my life. No, for your namesake. Lord, just so that you can show us who you are. For the sake of your reputation. <laughs> for the sake of who you are in my life. Come and save me. I love that. All of that, and it's so much more, but just... That, I'm out of time. That's in prayer, 
in our very prayer, the Lord is actually teaching us how to pray. He's actually moving in us to give us the very words to pray. Now you go from there, guess what's going to happen when you go out into your life, into your day? The Lord will do the same thing. That's what I saw yesterday. And you know what? I hope to see it again today, in your life and in mine. I'll report back tomorrow with more Sound Insight. God bless your day.